This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Inside MetLife Stadium, uh, the scene of an absolutely debilitating, disappointing, awful, brutal defeat for the Buffalo Bills. Aaron Rodgers goes down on the fourth play of the game. Zach Wilson comes back in and the Bills find themselves in the same spot they were last year in week nine. We're going to get into all of it here tonight on Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. And, you know, listen, you could gear up for game day now through October 28th. Every time you use your Tops Bonus Plus card, to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell, Smithfield, and so many more. You're automatically entered for a chance to win hot prizes. To elevate your food game, you might also win a jersey every time Buffalo scores a touchdown, which didn't happen very often tonight. For complete details, visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone. Ryan, we got to get started with Josh Allen here. This was, it felt like, a lot of people brought up the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, loss a couple seasons ago. And sure, that was really bad uh, down in Florida when they lost to, you know, the Urban Meyer-led Jaguars. To me, this felt like 2019 Josh Allen. You go back to that Patriots game where, really, if you go back to it, that's where he said things kind of changed for him. If you're a Bills fan, you could only hope that a, a performance this bad could force him to kind of flip the switch once again because this was about as bad as he's looked in a long time. Yeah, I'll, I'll add the word embarrassing to the, the list of words you used to describe tonight's game. This is the second straight year that the Bills lost to a Jets team that had Zach Wilson playing the majority of the game at quarterback. It just shouldn't happen. The Bills go into to halftime up 13-3. to Yeah, they left some points on the board, but all they had to do in the second half was protect the football. And, you know, trust that, yes, the Ben Benat break defense might give up some yards, might give up some field goal opportunities, but just don't put yourselves in these situations to turn over the ball, to take points off the board on your own. And then that's exactly what Josh Allen did. Uh, throwing a pass into double coverage down near the end zone when he probably could have possibly run for a first down in one situation. And, you know, I, I think by the time he fumbled the ball deep in his own end after the three interceptions, maybe things were in his head a little bit, but 
he kind of single-handedly lost the game. And and I said, you know, right before the game was over, we're going to hear that same spiel from him in the post-game presser that we've heard a few times. And a lot of Bills fans agreed. A lot of Bills fans disagreed. But the one thing is it's situational, Matt. If he throws three interceptions trying to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in a shootout, at the end of the day, I'm fine with it. You got to do what you got to do to stay in this game. But in a game against Zach Wilson and the Jets, where they can't really get much going or mustered offensively, protecting the ball, preserving a few field goal opportunities that they had and got wiped out based on those interceptions, at the end of the day, it cost them this win. My back? You're back. Listen, listen, a lot of things were going wrong tonight. The Bills on the field, the internet in this stadium. Uh, we were we lost internet for almost the entire second quarter. We're trying to put a story up on the website, and this is the kind of stuff that we got to deal with out here in New Jersey. I apologize. Not sure where you uh, left off there, but to me, the, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating anything you just said because I lost you for about 30 seconds. This is something that, we keep going over. This isn't like a new storyline for Josh Allen. And we spent the entire offseason with him sitting up at the podium and talking about, I have to be smarter, not only with the ball in my hands, but with my body. Right. I tweeted it in the first half. There's like the guy just doesn't operate in a normal way when he gets out outside of the pocket. He just turns into like, it's funny, you go back to early on in his career and he asked like what his nickname was growing up. Like it was in his little bio in the Bills media guide, and it was Joshy Boucher based on the character from The Water Boy. And it's like he does play like that. Like he gets on the field and it's like he his mind melts and he just like turns into this like crazy linebacker style of player. And I I think that there's something about that that Bills fans over time have have really leaned into and appreciated about him. But when you are so important to the success of this team and this franchise. You can't put yourself in that spot. And I, I feel like sometimes when the, the the run plays aren't working, right? Like when you get out of structure and some of those plays aren't working, that's when he tries to start to force it even more as a, as a p- passer. And those throws down the field were just absolutely terrible. You had a second down throw down the field that would have given you potentially a field goal if you don't get a first down there, you lose those three three points there. You know, the, the, the countless turners, the, the throw to Gabe Davis, which he said he could have probably worked to the outside a little bit more, missed there, kept the drive going. It was just constant mistakes, constant just playing in the face of everything that you said coming into this game, you were going to try to fix. And this is the team you can't do that against. And I, and, and I almost feel like, Josh has to find a way to put the pride away. Like he wants so much to be this guy for his team. And at times, like if you can almost reset and maybe he needs to go out and, and and find a garbage can, like somewhere in the tunnel at halftime and throw up again. I don't know what the, the recipe is, but he needs to find a way to play within himself and within what they're trying to accomplish. Zach Wilson wasn't going to come out here and beat them today. You know, Josh Allen said it best. He beat them today. Yeah, and and it reminded me a little bit of the playoff game against the Dolphins last year where you look and you look at the final stat line of Skylar Thompson. It wasn't very good. He didn't play very well against the Bills, but the Dolphins were in that game until the the end because Josh Allen and the Bills offense made mistake after mistake and and made things interesting uh, for Miami. It's sometimes against these lesser opponents where he's trying to do too much. 
And it hurts him and it hurts this team. And sometimes the Bills pull off the win in the end and all is good because Allen made a great play at the end. But, you know, leading the league in, in turnovers since entering the league, yes, there's he also has the most total touchdowns over that time. There's good, there's bad. And as a Bills fan, I know, uh, Bills fans, I know that they're, they live with it because there's been a lot of success under Josh Allen in his early career here in Buffalo. But it's just situational. Like I said, maybe when you got cut out there, Matt, he needs to clean up on those interceptions in situations where he shouldn't be throwing those passes. Take the three points, keep building on to your lead, put the Jets in, in more of a hole where they can't rely on a run game uh, that was working pretty well for them at times, make them one-dimensional, and I think they would have had more success. And as for the running, you're right, there was a third and two play, something like that, that he ran for the first down and he could have just run out of bounds. And instead he stayed in and took a hit from two different jets defenders. He takes unnecessary hits. And uh, as much as he deserves the blame for tonight's loss, if he misses any time, this bills team is going to be lost without him. He's so important. So he also has to be smarter from that perspective as well. You know, it's interesting. And just like a little sidebar. And I want to talk about Ken Dorsey in a moment because Listen, there's there's a part of the responsibility for this game that falls on Dorsey as the play caller. Um, now, do I think that he should be blamed for the interceptions and the, and the boneheaded mistakes of his quarterback? No, uh, th- those are things that you got to figure out a way as the as Josh Allen, who is one of the highest paid players in the sport, to figure out. We'll get into that in a moment. I want to talk Dorsey, but before we do, this is interesting because to me, the Jets are built to be the real foe for the, the bills, right? Like I, I tweeted yesterday that I think my, the Miami dolphins are the true problem in the division, but I actually think it's the jets that are built to beat the bills, to be the team. That's the toughest for them to play against because of that defense and the way they play Josh Allen and Sean McDermott both said it. They don't do anything schematically to really throw offenses off of their game. It's just how, They do the simple things so well. They get a four-man rush. They're in your face every time. They force the quarterback to melt down in the pocket and have to kind of go off script. And once you go off script, they have such good players at the second and third level that they're able to take away a lot of what Josh Allen does against other teams. But now Aaron Rodgers likely out for the season, which I think, to me, unless Zach Wilson takes some crazy jump. Like, one of the things I said – Aaron, you bring Aaron Rodgers, he, he's kind of helped coach up Zach Wilson. Like maybe in the future, it, it, it saves his career, right? But now getting thrust right back into that role, I don't know what the future holds for this Jets team. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing to come out of this game. If you remove yourself from the immediate response to how the Bills played is the Jets season in a lot of ways could have gone up in smoke in this game here on the fourth play of the night. Yeah, there's a lot of Jets fans leaving MetLife Stadium tonight that were, you know, jubilation, total jubilation over the way the game ended. But when they wake up tomorrow, it's going to hit them that their season, minus a big jump from Zach Wilson or acquiring a quarterback, signing some quarterback and expecting them to play great football or even, you know, solid football, uh, the season will be over for this team. And it's unfortunate because they invested a lot in Aaron Rodgers. And with this defense that we saw tonight, a guy like Rodgers at the helm could have led them to the playoffs. I just don't see that with uh, in Zach Wilson's future. The defense will certainly keep them in a lot of games this year, but uh, more times than not, if teams don't make the type of mistakes that Josh Allen did against this Jets defense, 
the other team I think is going to be able to come out with with close wins. And it, it's funny you mentioned how the the Jets are built to defeat the Bills and with their, the way they play. It, it happens in a lot of divisions. A lot of times teams build up their rosters to to beat one specific team. It's like the Browns. The Browns are five and one against Joe Burrow in his career with the Bengals. And the Browns don't have much to show for it with division titles or playoff runs or anything like that. But you saw it again in week one. They, they completely smothered him. Miles Garrett was all over him, uh, turning the ball over, throwing for less than 100 yards. Sometimes they are just bad matchups and the Jets have been a bad matchup for Josh Allen over the last few years. But tonight's mistakes could have been avoided. The Bills could have escaped New York with a close win uh, and kind of turned the page with some more favorable opponents down the road these next two weeks. Instead, they they lost a game much like the Bengals, much like the Chiefs. But in a tight, tight AFC, every one of these losses is going to hurt the Bills when it comes to the playoff seeding down the road. This is a really good defense, and most offenses are going to struggle against it to generate offense. And listen, you take out a couple of those turnovers from Josh Allen today, maybe the Bills get points on on two of those drives. Say even like six more points, and that gives you, you know, 22 for the game, and you probably end up winning 22-16 or 22-13. And so this loss does fall on the shoulders of Josh Allen. But I want to talk about Ken Dorsey, not the play calling, Part of things because I think that's really challenging. Like I want to go back and watch the game again to get her be- to get a better sense of how things were going. I hated, hated the second and fifteen draw play <laughs> to James Cook. It was absolutely horrible. Josh Allen said they were playing in a cover two shell and they just wanted to get a couple yards. It's like I don't think that was working all night. There was a couple of nice James Cook's runs and I thought he he found his best success of the game in the second quarter, which I think is is encouraging against you know this defense. Separate point. Here's the part where I'm going to be critical of Ken Dorsey. You have to know the player that you have, right? One of the things that I think Brian Dable did so well with Josh Allen in the development of him over the course of his career is he found a way to reel him back in. Ken Dorsey has to find a way or Sean McDermott has to find a way, whatever the situation is, to get in Josh Allen's face at halftime after that first interception, whenever the course of the game that you needed to make it happen and tell him, this is what we worked on all season, off, off season. This is what we talked about. We cannot have that. You have to find a way to connect with your player to coach him in a way that gets him to understand that he can't do those things. He can't, he says all the right things, but when it gets time to in between the lines and executing it in a very important game, he just, melts down. And to me, I put a lot of that on Ken Dorsey's plate as the offensive coordinator, as the person responsible for Allen in this offense. And with Dable gone, Dorsey is the closest person to Josh Allen. He was his quarterback's coach for three years. And so I think there has to be more from Ken Dorsey in that department before we even get into the play calling because play calling or not, the Bills were in a position to win this game if Josh Allen doesn't do it. And it's on Josh Allen more than Dorsey, but I think Dorsey deserves a little bit of the blame there. Yeah, before I get into Dorsey, shout out to the guy behind you that was literally like crawling behind you to try to stay out of your shot. That was an A-plus effort for anyone that was uh, watching <laughs> live on video. A solid, solid duck walk attempt by the gentleman. Uh, Ken Dorsey, you know, first with the play calling, you're right. We we don't see what goes on behind closed doors. We don't know everything that goes in the play calls. I thought one of the interceptions that Josh Allen threw, he could have run for the first down. 
I thought that one of the interceptions he threw, he had Dalton Kincaid open. It's it's one of those things where we go back and re, we rewatch the game. We'll see things. I thought they had a, the short passing game working a lot better tonight uh, at times, and they did it all last season. So I liked how he mixed some things up, and I don't know how many of the turnovers truly fall on Dorsey in that regard, but I'm right there with you in terms of someone needs to get through to Allen. I'll, I will always remember Brian Dable just shredding Allen on the sidelines after one of his bad interceptions, and I think it was maybe in that game against the Patriots, pretty much just chewing, you know, uh, chewing him out for a few minutes, just letting him know you can't keep making those mistakes. And I'm not saying Dorsey has to get into his face like that, but he needs to be able to communicate to Allen and saying, stop trying to make these plays that in a game like this, you don't need to be making. This is not Patrick Mahomes. This is not Joe Burrow. This is not a, a you know, a situation where you need to make some unbelievable throw uh, with two guys on, on one of our players, you need to play within yourself. And if he can't do it, it has to go on someone's shoulders because Allen in these moments keeps costing himself in this team points. And tonight it came back to bite them at the very end. What's going to really bite me is that I might have to relocate here, Ryan. They're really trying to work on these cords. And I thought I was set up in a way that was kind of away from everything. And uh, it might not be. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see if we make it to the end of the show uh, before I get kind of booted out of this space. And they're moving all these cords under my legs. People are doing <laughs> duck walks behind me. It's a great time. Um, listen, right now, you can get yourself a two-week free trial to become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider by texting 716-528-6727. We're always active uh, on the text line. Not so much on, on game days. It's a little bit tough in-game. We're trying to kind of Work that out, work that out. But tomorrow, you better be sure that I'm going to be firing off a bunch of texts to all the insiders. So it's a great time to sign up. The shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litra, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or check out litrolaw.com. All right, I want to get to Terrell Bernard next. You mentioned him before the start of the show. We'll kind of move off the offense here for a minute. We spent the first 15 there, and rightfully so. There's probably even more to get into. And uh, uh, listen, we got a whole six days to kind of break this thing down. There's going to be much more to come. I kind of want to go back and watch this thing again um, to really start to dive into it. What was your take on Terrell Bernard? Because I, I don't think you were super thrilled with what you saw. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go back and rewatch because he did make a few plays here and there, but I thought especially early on in the game, he was just getting swallowed up by the Jets' offensive line. Uh, there were some big run plays that developed because he tried to come in and, and make a play, and Becton just wiped him out, uh, pancaked him, took him out of the equation. I like his athleticism, but his size is a legitimate concern. And I had some Bills fans saying, well, he led the team in tackles. But that was the argument last year, too, with Tremaine Edmonds, where there's a lot of fans saying, yeah, he leads the team in tackles, but he's not making splash uh, plays. Edmonds, obviously, much larger of a linebacker than Terrell Bernard. But Bernard, I thought, was really getting wiped away by these Jets offensive linemen. I thought he was getting erased. I thought it, it kind of led to a lot of those runs and successful runs, successful screen passes for this team. And I will go and rewatch because there were a few plays in the second half where I said, oh, that was Bernard that made the play that came in and did that. So I do want to rewatch and really zero in and focus. 
But I, I do feel that especially early on in this game, it was not a very good performance, and this team still has a middle linebacker problem. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, I don't know. Like, my takeaway is it's his first NFL start at middle linebacker, and there was a lot going on. I agree. Were there some some issues at times um, in the run game? Sure. And I think a couple of... Uh, of missed opportunities on a couple of those big runs. You know, he has a part in, in the blame game there. But if we're taking this defensive performance as a whole with the way that their defensive line played, some of the exciting plays that I think you saw from Bernard as he got comfortable as the game went along, I think there were some, in, you know, some things that you could take from this game as a fan and be excited about the potential trajectory for him. Does he have stuff to get better at? Sure. But the bills basically gave up on defense 16 points. And that comes with a couple of absolutely explosive run plays from Brees Hall. And by the way, side bar, man, what a difference between Brees Hall, the rookie running back drafted last year that, Literally missed half the season with a torn ACL and what we saw from James Cook just production-wise. Now, I think you could make an argument that the Bills have a better offensive line than the New York Jets, and it just did not matter tonight. Brees Hall looked like the absolute real deal. And, you know, James Cook, outside of, like, that small stretch in the second quarter where I thought he started to get going a little bit, for the most part, it was just an underwhelming performance. And this was a guy like Ryan we got to hold ourselves accountable. I'll hold myself accountable. What did I say the fourth day of training camp? James Cook could be the key to unlocking this offense. And they needed somebody to unlock it tonight. They needed also somebody to not turn the ball over. So that's a that's part of the conversation as well. But I thought, you know, James Cook, at times in the passing game, there were a couple really nice plays. But more opportunity for him to, I think, have a bigger role and a bigger impact with some of the production that just, just didn't happen at, at a high enough clip for me tonight. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And, and running up the middle, he definitely ran into some problems. I did think there was some nice runs to the outside. There was a second or third and short run where he kind of uh, had to break away from a defender and run to the left-hand side. He had enough speed to pick up the first down. But he, he definitely didn't have the type of performance of a Brees Hall. He, he left, you know, he. I think some of it falls on the play of the O-line. The O-line struggled against Quinn and Williams and company on the interior. Spencer Brown, who I hope we can get into next, had a terrible, terrible uh, night as well. But it, it, there were some plays that Cook, you know, maybe could have gotten a few more yards here and there. I do think he would have had a touchdown tonight, Matt, if Josh Allen had lofted a ball a little bit higher. He kind of mm. tried to zip one in, and it ended up hitting the Jets defender before he could get to Cook. Cook had a step on him. Cook scores that touchdown. Again, completely different game, and he did have the step there. But, yeah, the, the run game definitely underwhelmed tonight, much like it has throughout the, the past few years where you and I both saw, thought that Cook could end up having a huge, huge role in a huge season. Just one game. I think that he could uh, he could break out next week against the Raiders, and it's a completely different story. 
uh, but didn't have the type of impact tonight that I thought he could possibly have. Yeah, let's get to this offensive line because, you know, defensively, like I mentioned, I thought there was a lot of good things. I thought that that Garrett Wilson touchdown against Tredavious White, it's really hard to blame him. It was a, oh, That's yeah. just an elite wide receiver making an elite uh, play. And I think you get out of this game without any ACLs or Achilles injuries with the Bills. And on a, on a minor note, I mean, that's a huge win. Every time there's an NFL game on this turf, I feel like it's a situation that just you just holding your breath the whole time, hoping that nothing happens from a fan perspective. Um, offensive line play tonight. Overall, I thought it was just they had all offseason to prepare for this game and all of the problems the Jets defensive line brings. And I think that in a lot of ways, they let they let Josh Allen down at times. Like he deserves the blame. Don't get me wrong. But I think that sugar high Josh comes out when he feels like he hits the back of his drop and it's like guys are in his face immediately. I mean, Mitch Morse took uh, ownership uh, in the locker room about one of the interceptions. He thought his block led to pressure in Allen's face right away. We saw Spencer Brown getting cooked on social media by all pro former Kansas city uh, right tackle Mitchell Schwartz, who says he's got to stop with letting guys just push him and bowl him into the quarterback. Yeah, so let's start with Mitch Morse. You know, one of the turnovers, like you mentioned, I thought the play before that he kind of grabbed his hand and was flexing it a little bit, and it, and it sounded like he did have some some kind of X-ray after the game. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the next play he he gave up the play on the interior, and uh, there were times where Quinn and Williams was right in his face, and other Jets defenders, and one of the interceptions, I think it was Quinn and Williams that was right in his in his face before he lofted it downfield for what essentially looked like a punt where that went uh, to the two yard line right before Brees Hall's uh, Brees Hall's 80 some yard run. So the line did not hold up, but Spencer Brown was without a doubt the weak link, Matt. And it, it was the play. It was the first sack that Allen took on the game. I mean, Spencer Brown deserves much as, as much credit for the sack than uh, Franklin Myers for the jets, because it was Brown that kind of knocked him over as he was getting pushed into Allen's lap. You get into overtime, you somehow, you know, you tie this game up late. First play, Brown gets a penalty on him, and you put yourself in a first and 15 situation uh, where it's not ideal to, to ever back yourself up in overtime. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons the Bills lost this game tonight. First and foremost, Josh Allen. You can look at Spencer Brown. We can talk a little bit about Sean McDermott's. Uh, turning down an offensive pass interference penalty instead of backing up the Jets and letting them kick a 43-yard field goal. There's a lot, but Spencer Brown remains a huge problem on this offensive line. The Bills did nothing to address it this offseason, and they had to go out and get a former first-round pick in Jermaine Effetti uh, late here after roster cuts to try to kind of uh, put you know someone in there that could possibly help at right tackle when called upon. I'm not sitting here saying that he's a better option than Spencer Brown. He's kind of a journeyman, despite being a former first-round pick. But if Brown doesn't, you know, improve significantly in these next few weeks, you might have to give if Eddie uh, an actual opportunity to kind of work with this line and see what he can do. Five sacks for the Jets tonight. It was hits on the quarterback nine. Three of those by former Bills defensive tackle. Uh, Quentin Jefferson and, and all of these tackles for a loss. I mean, 
the Jets defensive line lived in the backfield throughout the night. So, I mean, that's a part of the evaluation for Allen, but it's the part that I will come back to. And listen, it's hard to talk about anything from this game. I want to talk about a play from Christian Benford. It's hard to get there when we keep coming back to something that just feels like it's a nightmare that Bills fans are, are living over and over and over again. It's like this, this version of shot Josh Allen that just goes into this other world. I mean, he's, he's demonstrated plenty of times in his career, a poise, an ability to manage a game, the ability to stay composed in really intense situations. That's why I think when these kinds of games happen in a game where, listen, what also has to hurt a little bit extra for Bills fans is like, this is going to be a really tough division. If Zach Wilson figures it out with as good as this defense is, they get to 10 wins. With as tough as the schedule as the Bills have, this game could come back to haunt them late in the season. And all it might have taken to win this game is one less mistake from your quarterback. And to your point, you know, there's been a couple of decisions that Brandon Bean made this offseason that I think deserve real evaluation and criticism. We've talked about him over the course of the offseason. Going out and not bringing in competition for Spencer Brown. To me, it was a mistake. I don't know if it was maybe overrating David Questenberry, a guy they got into their building last year they liked. And then they get to summer to the summer. It's like, oh, wait, this is the same movie we watched last year. Let's just cut bait and move on with him. He's inactive week one for the Minnesota Vikings. The guy that you do bring in in Jermaine Effetti, he's inactive tonight. And he's not the only inactive. Kyer Elam, we got to talk about that. I mean, we were trending in this direction. I don't think it was a massive surprise as Dane Jackson and, and, and Christian Benford seem to be the finalists at CB3 and the Bills probably not going to keep four boundary cornerbacks when you're trying to play the numbers game. But Kyer Elam being inactive for the first game of the season, it's not a great look, Ryan. <laughs> no, it's not a great look at all. You and you traded up for this guy. Uh, he had some moments last year where he got on the field and he and he looked like it like he could play. He made some big plays for this team. But he's just really struggling to adjust to the zone defense. He was that was not a specialty of his in college. wasn't something he had much experience in. He was too handsy. Uh, his aggress- aggressiveness was something that was on his scouting report coming out. And now you you're here, week one of his second season. And yes, he makes the roster, but he falls so far behind in that cornerback uh, two competition that. He's inactive in the first opening game for the season. It, it's not good. And, you know, I, I get that the Bills were cap-strapped uh, a little bit when it came to bringing in legit competition for a Spencer Brown, but they invested a good amount of money in a, a Connor McGovern at guard, and maybe they could have put some of that money uh, toward a tackle instead. And I'm not saying anything bad against McGovern. I get why they went that route, why they wanted to in- improve their interior, but, uh, tackle and especially right tackle was the weak link last year. And that was the one area that they didn't address. So there's certainly some perspectives uh, perspective that you, you know, you mentioned that we should be questioning uh, Brandon Bean about, but you know, you mentioned Christian Benford a minute ago, Matt, and that's one area where, you know, I guess Brandon Bean deserves some praise getting him so late in the draft. He single-handedly kept a touchdown off the board for the bills tonight, chasing down Brees hall on that 80 yard run. 82-yard uh, run, whatever it ended up being, and, and holding them to a field goal. I thought he had a, a nice game at cornerback, too. Someone I'll go back and watch. And, and if you told me that you know he's going to make this play and, and hold the Jets to a field goal, 
Aaron Rodgers is only going to play four snaps. The leading receiver on the Jets is going to have, I think, 46 yards receiving, and the Bills are going to lose this game. I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, it was just a comedy of errors by this offense, specifically Josh Allen, and, and it's one of those inexcusable losses, and it goes back to what you said. The AFC East is tougher. I think it's a two-team race now, quite honestly, between the Bills and the Dolphins, but the Dolphins pulled out a close win where the Bills did not in week one, and this could come back and, and hurt them in the long run. Uh, I think that the, the Bills need to kind of give themselves a, a look in the mirror now and say, we have to be smarter in these situations, and it starts with Allen, it starts with the coaching, it starts with some of the decision-making by this team as well. I'm not jumping off the ship. No. Like, I'm not sitting here willing to say, because you just said something that kind of piqued my interest for a second. Like, this is a two-team race for the division with Aaron Rodgers going out. I really don't think it is. Mm. To me, right now, if we're being honest with ourselves, if I'm power ranking the division, I have the Jets and the Bills even, and I have the Miami Dolphins ahead of them. I think that defense for the Dolphins has a chance to get better over the course of the season. You saw late in that game, Christian Wilkins make a big play against what I think could be a top 10 offense, top five offense in this league in the, with the Chargers. Like, giving up 30-plus to the Chargers in week one, it's not some crazy uh, feat. Right now, I think the Dolphins – now, listen, we got to use perspective. The Dolphins tend to do really well in September. They're high-flying. They're playing in good weather. We'll see how things kind of trend as the season goes along. But there's serious question marks. I've never been more unsettled in what the Bills have going with their team than I am right now. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I came into this as the Bills being a definitive AFC East favorite. I'm waffling on that after watching what we saw tonight. Here's what keeps me from jumping on the other side of the fence. And this is a really important piece to this. I want to get back to some things on the offense. But before we do, the defensive line looks as advertised. Leonard Floyd was a difference maker tonight. Yes. He made a bad Jets offensive line look the part. Greg Rousseau was at one point, I tweeted it. I don't think it was hyperbolic. Maybe it was. I thought he was in the conversation for the best player on the field for on either side. Now, Quinn and Williams would have an argument to be made there. He had a really nice day. Some other folks as well on their defensive line. Brees Hall with a huge day. But Greg Rousseau played like a first-round edge rusher tonight. Paired with Leonard Floyd, it looked pretty good. The interior looked good. You saw a sack from Jordan Phillips. I thought Daquan Jones back to his ways. The Bills' defensive line playing the way that it did tonight to me was a huge storyline and something that I think if you're looking for anything to be happy about from this game as a Bills fan, that's where I would go. Yeah, and Mekhi Becton probably yeah. saved a strip sack at one point holding Leonard Floyd. Uh, he came around the edge. He put his arm out to swipe at the ball, and he missed just because Becton pulled him from behind and, and took him down. Uh, so that, you know, if there's ever such a good thing as a good holding penalty, that was it. But I thought Floyd was great. I thought Greg Rousseau was great. That was encouraging. I thought Matt Milano was phenomenal. Mm. Uh, that was a conversation that we had a few weeks ago where we said, what's he going to look like without having a Tremaine Edmonds type of middle linebacker? You know, I, I already said we my were so piece. silly, Ryan. Yeah, we were so I, already, silly. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke my piece on Bernard. I'll go back and rewatch him uh, and, and see if my opinion changes a little bit. But it didn't matter. Even when uh, he wasn't playing great, Milano looked like an absolute star out there. He was flying around the field, big hits, interceptions, 
uh, you name it, playing a great, great game for this team. So, you know, you, you look good at linebacker at, with Milano. You look good off the edge with Floyd and Rousseau. Um, there are some positives to come out of this. Um, I thought that Kincaid had a nice debut. I think he could have had a few more targets thrown his way. So at the end of the day, yes, th- there was a lot of bad. I'm going to, you know, going back to our conversation, I don't trust Zach Wilson enough to say that they're neck and neck with the bills, uh, with the schedule that they have these next few weeks. Now, if they come out of it, this, these first four or five weeks, Matt, and, and they're still on, you know, the plus side in the win column, maybe I'll be proven wrong there. I just think that more times than not, teams aren't going to necessarily implode the way the bills did. They're going to force Zach Wilson to try to beat them. I do think it is a two team race. Uh, I think the Dolphins looked really good. Uh, you brought up a great point about the Chargers scoring 30-some points against them in that defense. They know Vic Fangio's defense extremely well, though, from his time in Denver, obviously. So there's a lot to watch there. Miami came out, though, and they put on a show offensively. They're the team right now that I think is the biggest challenge of the Bills. Uh, as good as the Patriots fought against the Eagles, I, I don't buy into them being a legit threat. So the, the Bills, I, I don't want to overreact to this loss. I still think they're... Uh, right up there in terms of being a legit contender in this division with the Dolphins, but they let an opportunity slip through their hands tonight. The Bills lived in 12 personnel tonight, and you mentioned Dalton Kincaid's debut, and you know I thought there were elements to it that you have to be really excited about. This is a, a team that's going to limit a team's uh, passing game most of the time, but I thought at times you saw a little glimmer of what it could look like. And, you know, I tweeted this too, Ryan, like one of the things I don't think we talk enough about with Kincaid is the physical part of his game. There was one play. It was just a, you know, a short play. And like we talked about, he gets the ball and gets up field so fluidly and quickly that he's able to put himself into contested situations with defenders trying to tackle him. And he gets, because of his speed, he just lays the boom. Like I, I think it was DJ Reed that he just like stumbled over at one point, put his shoulders down, got was the low man and won won the rep and um, got himself a first down or, or close to it. And those are the kind of plays that I think they're going to kind of be able to build on. But check out the the stat or the um, target uh, share here: thirteen targets for Diggs, ten for one hundred two, and a touchdown. The other four pass catchers, I'm including the tight ends. Four for Davis, four for Kincaid, four for Knox, and four for Hardy. Trent Sherfield didn't have a single target in the game. James Cook had six, but I'm taking him out of it. 16 for the pass catchers outside of Diggs. Diggs with 13, so almost like a split. So you almost feel like this was exactly where we were trending. I felt like Josh Allen was specifically looking for digs sometime to his detriment, especially on that long interception uh, that I thought I felt he was trying to force it a little bit to him. I thought on that play, it might've been that one. Maybe I'm confusing the plays, but one of them, when he forced the deep play, I thought he had Dawson Knox separating a little bit from CJ Mosley, or he could have run with it. Either of those two. I can't remember which one it was. He's got to make better decisions. Yeah, the first one was baffling to me because, again, it was double coverage. It was uh, it looked like it was going to be an easy interception from the get-go when you saw them pan down the field. And when you were watching it live, Allen's rolling to his left, and it looks like there's a lot of green in front of him. Uh, it looked like he had a tight end running open as well underneath. It's just stop trying to force it in. I know that I'm sure a lot of the conversation this offseason was making sure that Stefan Diggs was more involved 
on a week-to-week basis, making sure he's getting close to 10 receptions a game, double-digit targets, and that's all well and good. And, and at times it looked really good tonight, especially in those short intermediate areas. But don't just take away those gimmies from your your arsenal because you're trying to squeeze in some unbelievable touchdown pass down the field into double coverage. They were bad mistakes. They were inexcusable mistakes for a quarterback that's, you know, uh, been starting multiple years now, been an MVP favorite, uh, has led this team far into the playoffs. He should not be making these types of mistakes, regardless of what this team plans to do in terms of Stefan Diggs's involvement this year. There are times where you have to say, hey, this guy was open too. I have to feed him the ball, move the chains and put up points so we can win games. If you want to move the chains and put up some points on game day, visit Topps' Carryout Cafe. They got fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas for $15. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count for $14. The legendary breakfast pizza for $20. Pizza or taco log, 6 count, $8.49 uh, for the 6 count. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready-to-enjoy fan favorites. Ryan, I want to end on a simple thought and the sky is falling right now for a lot of Bills fans. And and I understand it, but I do think, you know, our good buddy, Jeremy White does a really good job during the preseason of giving everybody the preseason pledge, right? I think there should be a week one pledge as well. Like you come out this week and I think perspective is always important when we do these shows and we talk about everything that happened and try to put everything in its proper place. The Chiefs are 0-1. The Bengals are 0-1. The Bills are 0-1. The three teams that everybody thought were going to be Super Bowl contenders definitively started off with a loss. doesn't matter how you got there. They're all 0-1. And sometimes coach speak can be really annoying. I get it. Sean McDermott comes to the podium and says these cliches and fans get frustrated with it. But I do think that you don't, this is not the time of year you want to be playing your best football. There's a lot of work to do. But I think with this, this group, they've, they've proven more times than not than they can be really good at football. And so I think that there's a chance for them to figure things out, right the ship. Uh, the, the Jets come up later in the season and we'll see what it looks like. But the sky is falling, but there's a chance the sun could still come out. Absolutely. You mentioned it. All three of the AFC favorites are 0-1-1 right now. Burrow arguably had a worse game than Allen in week one, uh, the way that he was limited against that Browns team. Uh, You know, I don't think anyone expected Mahomes to be without his top tight end and his top defensive tackle in that game, but he showed that even he can struggle without having players like that, especially Travis Kelsey. So when we get to the end of the season, Matt, I feel confident all three of these teams are going to be heavily in the mix, not only for the playoffs in the AFC, but for that one and two seed. So you're right. One loss does not mean this season is over, that the sky is falling, but the Bills have to clean up on a lot of these mistakes. They have to get better uh, at tackle, specifically right tackle. They, you know, they're going to have to have a, a serious look at themselves when they watch this tape back and and try to figure out what went wrong and what they have to do to correct these issues and do it quickly on a short week. All right. I'm going to quickly uh, get back to the hotel, go to sleep so I can get up tomorrow, drive back to Buffalo and and, and get after it on a short week. We'll be back uh, Wednesday. Uh, we'll have the Staples show. We'll give you all of our secondary thoughts on what happened in the stadium tonight. 
Sign up to become a, a text, uh, shout text insider, 716-528-6727. We'll have much more on this game tomorrow on the text line. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you soon.